Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Spotlight on Maryland. It's Gina Crash, your host for the next half hour or so. Couldn't do it without my guest who is in studio with us this morning. Please welcome Jason Woody. He's the executive director of Be More Clubhouse. Hi, Jason. Hi, thank you so much for having me on this morning. Yeah, we're excited. Fresh off the tour, you were listening to one of our sister stations here at Odyssey Baltimore 105.7 The Fan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, always listening to them. Awesome. So, you know, just getting you know, a, a sort of behind the scenes tour. And um, I'm excited that, you know, we got in touch with each other because you work with uh, friends of ours, uh, Hal Martin and his wife, Rana. She's on the board and a treasurer. And I know Hal does a lot of volunteer work with them as well as he's heading into retirement country. But it's cool that, you know, they were like, be more clubhouse. We want you to get them on Spotlight on Maryland. And I thought, well, honestly, to be honest with you, I didn't really know that much about your organization. Um, and so that's why you're here. So we shine the spotlight on you and everyone that's listening can, um, if they're like me and they're like, I've never heard of them before. I want to find out what they do. Um, what led you to this job real quick um, as executive director? That sounds fancy. Um, was there anything in your background that kind of led you to this mm. type of work that we'll hear about? Uh, yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, going through college, uh, I, I got very interested in nonprofit organizations in general. Um, at that time, I was particularly interested in working with youth. Um, and I, you know, volunteered with Boys and Girls Club and a, and a couple other programs. Um, and then I, I went on to grad school and studied nonprofit management. Well, the degree was public administration, but I focused on nonprofit management and I thought that I wanted to um, start my own after-school program uh, for kids and kind of make that into my career. Um, but I was living in, uh, found myself living in New York City. Um, this was back in 2006 and needing a job. <laughs> and, and I was scouring the internet for a job um, uh, through Craigslist and, and came across a place called Fountain House, uh, which I had never heard of. Um, but that is... Uh, the largest and first ever clubhouse program in the world um, in Hell's Kitchen in New York. And I applied for a job and somehow um, they brought me in for a tour and an interview and I just fell in love with it. Um, yeah, we'll obviously talk more about the clubhouse yeah, model, but course, it, it yeah. was sort of an accident, a happy accident. That I, that, that's cool. Yeah, because you are yeah. part uh, at Bmore Clubhouse, which is local, of course, uh, part of the mm -hmm. larger clubhouse international network, mm -hmm. which kind of led you to us here. Um, so you're not a native to Baltimore, but you probably feel yeah. like it now after having worked here for yeah. how long? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of a native. Uh, well, I, I grew up in the Annapolis area, yeah. um, and I, I went to undergrad at UMBC, and um, I finished my graduate degree at University of Baltimore. So I, I've been in the area for a long time. Oh, I feel like I, I feel like I'm a Baltimorean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. That's great. And yeah. um, so if you can provide us, uh, who, you're a better person to, to answer this question than me, of course. Um, how? Um, give us an overview of Be More Clubhouse and its mission. 
Oh, sure. So um, our mission is to empower adults living with mental illness to lead meaningful and productive lives of their choice in the community. Um, yeah, and, and I think the, the two things in the mission statement that stand out are the um, empowerment piece, because everyone that comes to us, we know they have you know, skills, talents, and abilities. And our job there is to um, provide empowerment and, and tools and support for them to reach their potential. Um, and then, you know, I want to emphasize of their choice because a lot of folks uh, that have come to our program are used to kind of being told, like, you know, given advice, this is what you should do or this is what your limitations are. or This is, you know, how you can avoid um, the consequences of the symptoms you're experiencing. We don't really do any of that. We just kind of view people as people, which they are, of course, <laughs> yeah. and treat them as people. And like I said, just pr- try to provide um, a very positive and productive environment where people can thrive um, with support. So, you know, it's there's a lot to say in how that actually works in practice, but it's essentially like an opportunity center for adults who are living with mental illness. They come and kind of choose their own adventure, and they have staff and their, and their peers, which we refer to as members, people who join our program are members, um, who support them in their recovery journey. That's cool. And have you noticed more need um, post-COVID or more discussion? Uh, is it more open talking about mental illness? Because I applaud you do, for doing this work because for a while people would struggle and not talk about it. And now I think the more you talk about it, the better it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say even before COVID, the, there was more and more conversation around uh, mental health. And then especially since that hit, I think you know, I, probably all of us can relate whether, you know, we've experienced mental illness ourselves or have a close family member or friend or colleague. Um, but during COVID, I think everybody, you know, was I felt that sense of isolation. Um, probably a lot of people experienced anxiety, depression, and it, it was hard. And so I do think the need has increased. The awareness has increased, which is a silver lining, I think, of that whole experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's good. I think there's there's some progress uh, with the conversation around mental health, and that certainly helps us, um, you know, follow through with our mission. For sure. And the clubhouse model that we we're talking about is unique in its approach to supporting individuals with mental illness who you serve. Can you explain how that clubhouse model works, um, and kind of in layman's terms, I guess, and what sets it apart from other mental health programs? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, like I said, when someone comes to our program and they join, they join as a member. So they're a member of the club, they're a member of the clubhouse, um, and then they choose how they utilize the program, um, and that's something that's unique about it. You know, it's not like, oh, we have certain uh, workshops or certain therapy sessions or things like that that people have to attend to be active in the program. Um, it's really a place, you know, again, people choose when they come and why they come. And for some people, when they first start, you know, it's about just building confidence, like getting getting up, getting out of bed, taking a shower, getting on a bus and getting there. And that can be that can be hard if if you've been isolated for some time. Um, but once people arrive, you know, uh, the heart of our program, we call our work order day. So essentially, it's a structured work day uh, where our members can volunteer to help to run the whole program. You know, so members work alongside our staff as colleagues. And that's another thing that's unique about the program. It's oh, that's not, cool. Yeah, it's not like... Um, yeah, or, you know, sit in the corner and weave baskets or something like that. It's like practical things like answering the phones and cooking lunch and uh, keeping track of our attendance, helping with fundraisers, you know, cleaning literally everything that we do. Our members are kind of leading the charge with the work. And the idea is that 
work is therapeutic, right? Um, having a daily purpose, uh, building friends, you know, through that environment, um, and then having uh, your peers, the other members, and the staff support you in your goals, uh, such as that, that could be returning to work or school or bettering your housing. Um, we have specific programs for that, which which maybe we'll get into later. Yeah, and having a purpose that's really that's really important, and um, I think that's something that I, I watch some of the, your YouTube videos mm-hmm. and on your website, bemoreclubhouse.org. You can watch that and also follow you guys on social media, you know, to sort of get kind of a visual of some of the things that you do and meet the people that you help. And um, it's really fascinating what you do. And it is definitely a team system. They jump right in. And it's like, what do you have on the agenda today? Okay, you're going to help out with this and that. And you get a varied view of skills and, you know, future potential employment opportunities, which kind of leads me to my next uh, question, is that many individuals with mental illness will face barriers to employment. So how does Be More Clubhouse assist its members in finding and maintaining mm. meaningful employment opportunities? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So, um, yeah, I've seen statistics anywhere from 10% to 20% of adults who have uh, serious mental illness are employed. That's like a, a nationwide thing. At, at Be More Clubhouse, uh, 40% of our active members are employed. Um, of course, we always want to continue to increase that number. But um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people definitely come to us with that goal in mind, like they want to return to work. There are some people who have never worked and some people who have had long careers and then they hit a bump in the road um, and are looking to, to get back. So just like with everything else in our program, we try to meet people where they are um, and provide the appropriate support at that place. So for a lot of people, again, it's like coming into the clubhouse, starting to build confidence, like starting to build a routine. Um, so we'll encourage people to get, to just get involved in the normal day-to-day program to, to brush up on those skills and get into that, uh, practice of, of a daily routine. Um, but then we also, you know, we have a couple meetings per week, uh, where we, uh, specifically focus on employment. So it, it's, I wouldn't necessarily call it a support group, but it kind of looks like that. It's like yeah. people sitting around the table talking about their goals. And then we have staff and, and members who will help to support that person. So if someone says, oh, I want to, um, you know, I'm looking for an office type job, like maybe a receptionist type job, um, we'll utilize our own networks. Um, and then also just the partnerships that we built in the community as we go out and talk about our program to try to match that person um, you know, with, with a job that they're interested in and that they're ready to do. Um, but there's, there's kind of a ladder of employment, uh, with transitional employment, supported employment and independent employment. And depending again, where people are and what their goals are, they could start at a, at a different level. Some people might come and just be ready just to go. They just need, they just need a job. And some people want to start at that transitional level where there's, um, a lot, a lot of support from the staff at the clubhouse uh, to do an entry-level job. Yeah, sounds like there's as little or as much as you need. And then the goal being to ultimately become independent or more so, you know, and kind of bouncing off each other. It sounds like people join in various stages um, and then help each other out along the way. And it's always... I don't know, easier to open up to your peers like that sometimes if they're going through similar things. or Absolutely. You know, it's always easier um, uh, together as a team. Um, and the concept of recovery in mental health can mean different things to different people. So how does Be More Clubhouse tailor its approach to meet the unique goals and aspirations of its members? Because do you ask them that yeah. when they come in? What do you see yourself doing? And, you know, yeah. that 10-year <laughs> interview question that yeah. they ever get, you know, is that kind of common to you ask them that and you try to get them there? Yeah, it's a really good question. Like what recovery means to another individual, I always um, tr- personally try to stay away from that because 
And, and that, that sort of, I guess, goes back with the whole spirit of the clubhouse, too. It's like people are coming at their own. Uh, they're choosing to come voluntarily, right? Um, and they're choosing how to utilize space. And they sort of know best for uh, what what they need and what, what their goals are. Of course, we do ask, you know, we build very um, close relationships with, with members of the clubhouse. And again, we work as colleagues. So we get to know people really well. And we do have those conversations, um, I think, very authentically, like you would with a friend or a close colleague. Um, and yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we are there to for people to sort of bounce off of and to figure it out for themselves, yeah. I guess, is the way I would really answer yeah. that question. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the second part of the very, question? It sounds very empowering, actually. <laughs> That's a good answer, too, uh, because yeah. like you said, it's, you know different for everybody um yeah. i don't know i guess how to meet the goals of you know and aspirations of members you sort of try to tailor some of their skill sets mm-hmm. i guess and lead them toward a path that might you know take advantage of those skills and grow those skills yeah yeah we do give people the option um when they join of of doing an individualized goal plan that that can be updated every six months so yeah i mean if someone says you know i'd like to get a part-time job within six months, you know, we might sit down with them and say, okay, what would, what do you think the steps would be to get to that point? And it might be like, okay, well, I'll attend, I'll attend the clubhouse two or three times a week to try, try to get into the flow of things. I'll like volunteer to answer the phone because that's a skill I think that will help me in the job that I want to have. Um, you know, I'll sit down with someone and we'll do my resume. We'll, you know, set up an email account so that we, we can apply for online jobs. And so, yeah, go through all those specific steps yeah. that can be hard to do like on your own, especially if, oh, yeah. if you haven't especially done it in a long time. you don't have a lot of support and it sounds like you right. guys have lots of support. And um, are these yeah. services free that we're talking about? Yes. Uh, Clubhouse membership is free and lifetime. So, you know, once someone joins, as far as we're concerned, they're a member for life. Of course, people will come when they want to come and people do become inactive for good reason because um, they're doing other things and we love that, but they can always come back uh, when they when they want to, awesome. when they need to. And being a nonprofit organization with free services, we'll talk about how people can support the cause because yeah. I know you don't do it without, you know, others and financial assistance as well. Um, but Be More Clubhouse has been in operation since 2009. So you had your big, you know, 10 year in 2019 pre-COVID, mm-hmm. right? I saw the Denise Koch video on your, uh, on <laughs> right, your website. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah, Supporter she of nonprofits all over town. Um, so can you kind of reflect, how long have you been there personally? Uh, I've been there since 2009. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay, yeah, so you're yeah. the perfect person to ask about reflecting on the organization's growth and development since its inception and any significant milestones um, or challenges you've had along the way. Again, I, I started my clubhouse career at Fountain House in New York, which is the, the largest clubhouse in the world, has about 300 members coming in a day and, you know, at the time, like a $25 million annual budget. So it was a pretty massive wow. operation. And then when I came to Be More Clubhouse, um, you know, it, it just opened a couple months prior to me arriving and had three or four people coming in a day and, you know, a shoestring budget that yeah. uh, was you know, it was a little tough and we were renting a, a basement space um, in Mount Vernon, which worked for us at the time, but it was clear like there was a lot of work to do. So, I mean, over the years, you know, I could talk about this question for an hour, but I, I think in general, like a lot of people listening probably know, or if you don't know, I'll tell you, like running a nonprofit organization is very difficult um, to, especially like financially, to kind of have the resources that you need uh, to do the best work that you can do. So most nonprofits would tell you they're underfunded and if they had more funding, they could do more. And most of the time that's true. But so I think like, you know, we've always, um, 
over the years struggled to have the financial resources we need to provide the best services. But I think we've also done a really good job of rising to the occasion and and filling gaps where we need. And at this point, we're doing uh, much better in that regard. But I always hesitate to get too yeah. confident about that. Right. Um, but I, I think in, in terms of other program milestones, you know, we've served over a thousand members since we opened in 2009. So a thousand people have come through our program over a thousand now. Um, we have recently in uh, December of 2020, we we purchased the building. Um, we're the corner of Calvert and Reed Streets in Mount Vernon, an old firehouse building. It's really cool. Oh, that's cool. Um, we Last year, we hosted the Clubhouse World Seminar in Baltimore. So we had 700 people from 14 different countries uh, from other, other clubhouses around the world that's come to incredible. Baltimore. Wow. Yeah, that was a big thing for us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's, I think the most important thing is just hundreds of people have returned to work. You know, hundreds of people have improved their housing situation. Hundreds of people have made friendships that, um, you know, sharing support with each other and getting getting through the days together in a, in a positive way. And I think like, yeah, those relationships, those personal milestones that members achieve are the, the most important. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Be More Clubhouse is part of that larger Clubhouse International Network mm-hmm. you were talking about. How does that global network help benefit the organization locally and its members because kind of leaning on that. I mean, New York and, and Baltimore are different entities are very yeah. different. Yeah. And yeah. just thinking like when you were founded in 09, like right after 08, we had some financial messiness. And then here yeah. in Baltimore in 2015, we had the uprising. There was a, there's been a lot in the pandemic. There's been a lot that's gone on and oh, gosh, Baltimore yes. <laughs> is a unique city that has a lot of needs. Yeah. Um, and you guys are, are filling that in a lot of ways, but um so tell us how you kind of lean on that a little bit about the larger Clubhouse Network, which we wouldn't have you had it not been for the network because you were able to to make the jump from New York to Baltimore yeah. and help us out locally. Yeah, I will say, just to clarify, and I, uh, for people listening, we are an independent nonprofit organization. We're managed independently and financed independently, but we are a member organization of Clubhouse International. Um, and that is really important because um, there are 37 standards that sort of define what a Clubhouse program is. Um, and every three years, each clubhouse has to go through an accreditation process to make sure you're, um, you know, living up to those values and those standards. And, uh, that's kind of the most important thing in my mind that Clubhouse International provides is this framework of like really what a clubhouse is because it is an evidence-based practice. Um, and it, it, it truly, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but it truly does work and there's plenty of research to, to back that. So I think, them maintaining the standards and ensuring that all the clubhouses are in compliance um, is one of the most important things. And then, of course, they also help with advocacy um, internationally. Uh, they plan conferences, you know, so that we can continue our learning and, and share ideas with each other and direct support. Um, you know, when we just run into challenges, we have people we can call that have been doing this work for a really long time. That's great. Um yeah, there are 340 clubhouses in 33 countries. So it's wow. really um, a pretty big pretty big thing. Although, like you said, to start the show, you hadn't heard of it, and a lot of people yeah. here haven't. So that's why I'm here, and I'm, right. I'm hoping to continue to spread the word. Yeah, raising awareness is, is yeah. where it's at, because you, can, you can't help anybody if they don't know that you have services there available exactly. to right. them that they need. You yes. know, I think that's the most you know, basic, critical thing that you can say. Um, and how is the program funded as a nonprofit organization, and how can the public who's listening help in that fundraising process? Because I know a lot of it's grassroots, and yeah. or even if it's with your time, like a volunteer that I know, and 
someone else who's on the board or whatever. You know, there's other ways to donate besides monetarily if somebody's not in that yeah. position right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So we are funded. Um, well, for the first 10 years, we were entirely privately funded, meaning entirely funded by um, individual donations and grants from charitable foundations in the area. And then a few years ago, uh, we did become eligible to bill Medicaid for some of our services, which like has been critical to oh, wow. sustaining our program. Yeah. Um, so that, that represents, you know, 30, 35 percent of our of our needed revenue uh, from Medicaid, which which definitely helps a lot. But we still are obviously always in need of um, growing our network of donors and um, meeting more foundations in the area that are interested in this work and that can help us. And then, yeah, we we also um, are always looking for new board members um, and new, you know, if not board members, also we have committees that people can join without formally joining the board, such as fundraising committee and our clubhouse expansion committee, because we're trying to bring more of these programs to the state. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are probably the two areas of need we need the most in terms of volunteering time. People can help plan events and introduce us to others and then helping with uh, that expansion effort. And oh, another way people can get yeah. financially involved if, um, you know, being such a charitable city that Baltimore is, a lot of nonprofit organizations like Be More Clubhouse will have galas and events and fundraisers, which are a fun way to get the public involved and to learn more about your organization and have a good time, let's be honest. <laughs> so I know that Be More Clubhouse has an annual gala coming up at La Cuchara um, on October 12th. Tell us a little bit about that, how people can get tickets. Is it sold out? And what kind of things can you look forward to at that event? And where does some of that money go? I know that's 60 questions. In one yeah, month. right. We'll start one thing well, at a time. When, yeah, where, um, how do you get tickets? First, I'll say I love love the folks at La Cuchara. They've been very generous to us. They've been good partners to us for years. Yeah. And we're really excited to um, have our first event at their location because they they came to us and cooked for our folks last time, which was really, oh, really, so really cool. nice. Oh, that's so cool. And um, they've, they've hosted a lot of things that we worked with, um, the League for People with Disabilities, and they hosted a fundraiser there, a couple yeah, of them. They're very community-minded, yeah. wonderful people, and amazing food. So, yeah, we couldn't be happier um, to have our event there. It's going to be Thursday, October 12th, um, 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, if people are interested, you can go right on our website, bemoreclubhouse.org, right at the very top. Um, you'll see a banner for the event. You can click on that and that will take you to the ticket page. Um, yeah, tickets are $125. It includes, um, basically food and drinks. We're going to have live music. We're going to have remarks from some of us at the clubhouse to share some updates on our program. We're going to have, um, a couple of our members speak and share their personal experience and how clubhouse has impacted them and how they've impacted the clubhouse. And it's just going to, it's going to be a fun night. I mean, at the, if you're at La Cuchara, you're going to have great food and great drinks. I think that's probably going to be the highlight. And then I'll do my best to, uh, you know, keep yeah. people awake when I give my remarks. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so that is going to help you with the next question, which is some goals and aspirations for Be More Clubhouse in the coming years as you mm-hmm. continue to grow and um, continue to serve more and more people, hopefully. So are there any upcoming projects or expansion on the horizon that our listeners should be aware of that they can help fund and feel good knowing that events like this will help toward building the future of Be More Clubhouse? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we always are um, you know, funding our, our regular operating budget, but specifically in our new building, which I mentioned earlier, uh, it's a two-story historic firehouse, and it does not have an elevator. So one of the things we're trying to fund um, through this upcoming event and, and just in general is um, raising money to fund the construction of an elevator. 
Um, so that, you know, folks that have difficulty getting upstairs can do that because half of our program is up there and that's really important to access. It, it. is. Um, and then, yeah, we're, we're obviously very focused on Baltimore and that will never change, but we also are the only clubhouse program in the state of Maryland. And we know that there are lots of people outside of Baltimore that could also benefit from this type of support. Um, so one of the things that I've been work- spending time on recently is, is trying to, um, speak to folks in that work in behavioral health in other counties in the state and educate them on the model and see if we can um, open more clubhouses. We're, you know, we're also advocating to folks in the behavioral health administration at the state level and the governor's office to just bring awareness to this and in hopes that um, we can get some funding to start more. Because, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. because it, it's, it's a great program and it saves money. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it will cost less money to the state by investing in this type of this type of program. Wow, that's awesome. So um, the impact of the work that you do, it's got to be rewarding. What would you say, like, everybody loves success stories. Is there one thing or more that come to mind about, like, I don't know, just a feeling that you're really helping people or a story of somebody who came from a different experience and then ended up yeah. perhaps working for you or working in a field they wanted to? But uh, and I'm sure there are many success stories, but is there one that sticks in your mind yeah. that would really paint a picture for people? There's so many. and. Yeah, it's there's so so many, and I think yeah, anytime someone returns to work, um, that's always like a big thing. The one that really sticks out to me is like one that like, you know, it's it's, it's unique, but it I will never forget it. There was a young woman who joined our program, and was basically nonverbal and wore sunglasses inside every day. And this went on, you know, for over a year. Like she she only spoke to one person. It was like her housemate that also was in, in the program. Um, and we would continue to try to like get her involved and, you know, hey, would you like to answer the phone today? Would you like to help cook lunch? And she sort of like shake her head. And then one day she took her sunglasses off and started talking to everyone and volunteered to be the cashier for lunch. And then, you know, basically every day forever, she's like, I'm the cashier. But she, you could see like, it was almost like she remembered who she is, you know, and it sort of just happened in real time. And I think that it's just like a transformative thing that like really really blew me away. And I, I'll never forget that. I think that's like a, you know, it's not the same thing, I guess, as like returning to work. But I think remembering that we're all human and that we all have something to offer is yes. like really important. Yeah. Like you said, initially yeah. people are people. And the fact that it might take somebody longer to get there. Yeah. But a lot of people might have given up on her and she might never have gotten there. Exactly. Had it yeah. not been for Be More Clubhouse. And the work and the encouragement that you do for your members, it's, it's incredible. Um, so how can people get involved? If they're just, I mean, if they're just joining us on that last story, yeah. what, what was her name, by the way? Or is her name? Uh, her name is Serial. That's It's awesome. a unique name. Yeah, yeah it is such a great name. So Serial <laughs> yeah. and, and many others that you help, how can people get involved with Be More Clubhouse, either as members or supporters, um, or if anybody is in need of your services, how do, yeah. they, how do they do that? And hopefully they have access to, you know, in the digital divide, hopefully they have access to your website, yeah. bemoreclubhouse.org. But if they don't, how do you help with that bridge as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. I'd say if you want to get involved in any way, you want to join or know someone that might benefit or you want to volunteer, the best thing to do is, yeah, go go to our website, shoot us an email and say that you'd like to come for a tour. We give tours like every day. So I literally invite everyone listening to this to please call us or email us and set up a tour uh, with no strings attached, of course. And then when you come in, you'll, you'll meet me and you'll meet others at the clubhouse and we'll have a discussion about, um, you know, what, how, how you see yourself getting involved. That's great. And while you're on the website, if you have time, you know, definitely check out um, more information about the organization. Also, your upcoming annual gala 
at La Cuchara with Be More Clubhouse. That's Thursday, October 12th, 6 to 9 p.m. Um, going to a great cause, of course. Well, thank you so much. We've been talking to Jason Woody, the executive director of Be More Clubhouse. We welcome you to check out more information. Listen to this link on our website, todays1019.com, if you missed anything. And you guys, thank you for listening. Thanks, Jason, for being here. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. And this has been a production of Odyssey Baltimore. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.